Hello, this is William Hong, and it is Delster time. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Seltzer Time Podcast. It's your boy, Ricky, a.k.a. Dick Chuck, a.k.a. the man behind the can at Seltzer Time Official. Here is always in the conversation accomplice, the man with the hunch about Wester, Travis. What is cracking fizzle fiends? Welcome back to another episode of the Seltzer Time Podcast. And per usual, we are so glad you're back with us. This week on the show, <laughs> I uh, shook my whole computer and messed my whole stuff up. Anyway, this week on the show, <laughs> we are talking to Lance Reinsterna and Tim Plary, the owners and creators and lords of Crawl Space Media, a local podcast network based out of Worcester. But before we get there, y'all know what we have to do. Yo, Ricky, how was that McRib sandwich? Dude, it was so good. Um, in classic Mamaru fashion, Everything I've ever had from him has been unbelievably great. The McRib, I've never actually had a McRib from McDonald's, so I don't technically have anything to compare it to. After December 9th, when it comes back to us, you and I are going to have to record a bit of content. You can only have a bite. I don't give a fuck. Okay. But I'll buy oh, you know, it for no, you. No, no, fuck it, fuck it. No, I don't I'll fucking buy it. I just That's need like- $2. No, I know. It's just like the idea of ribs are such a like, they're- I don't know. It weirds me out that ribs come from a fast food place. Burgers, I get it. They're so, gross, but I get it. And I, I'll they're have not them. actual rib meat. That's that's the thing we got to like denounce here. It's just chopped up pork. It's like a chopped pork sandwich. Uh, I know. All right, fine. Like Fuck a pulled it. We'll pork, do it. It's a pulled pork sandwich in a really pressed form. Okay. All right. I'm into it. We'll do it. So I had it. It was wonderful. There was two in the in the like the pack or the not package, but like you got two of them with your order. So we're yeah, with the order. There we go. That makes more sense than whatever I was trying to say. But uh, but yeah, so we so I had one on Wednesday night, and because my girlfriend's a vegetarian, I could have one on Thursday. She didn't eat it, so <laughs> so it worked out great. Yeah, it was dope. Um, but yeah, it was lovely. And so, a good week, aside from the delicious sandwich. Yeah, man, I had a great week. Uh, I know everybody was really tired of election coverage, as was I. It was I tough. learned a new term chart throbs crazy <laughs> learned about that that was great um i got some edibles from buds the new spot that opened where eastern border used to be on west boylson street dude i gotta go check that spot out i uh i'm super pumped about all these new spots we have coming in and yeah definitely interested in sampling all of them you had a good yeah. time it was good selection I, dude yeah it was great i so i have never bought anything from a dispensary this is my first time um so i was kind of going through i was at the parking lot of trader joe's like going through like good chems stuff and then i was like oh buds just opened and like the only literally the only reason why i didn't go to good chem was because buds is like two seconds from my house <laughs> so it's actually on my way home if i get off the highway like one exit up so that's why I go to I, Resonate, man. It's because it's oh, right nice. down the street. It's like, yeah. it's just the one that's closest to me and their pricing works for me. I feel yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Plus, Bud's pricing was was very, very, very great. Um, 
But yeah, so I got two bars. I got two candy bars. I got a s'mores, which I haven't broken into yet. I've been um, diving into the cookies and cream, which was, it's delicious. And it, it works real well. <laughs> uh, but everybody was... definitely needed it. Oh, yeah. Well, so that was the thing. Like, Tuesday night, everybody kind of knew that we weren't going to know on Tuesday night. But there was never going to be a situation where you weren't paying attention. So I figured instead of like the, the last election, I drank a lot. I didn't want to do that. So I was like, well, I'll just, you know, have a little bit of edible and, and kind of like just ride this bitch out. So I did. <laughs> and wise it was decision. awesome. Yeah. Wise decision. Yeah. So did got some buds. Everybody's super nice. The place looks beautiful. You couldn't go into the main um, the main room yet. It doesn't open until the ninth, maybe, okay. maybe today. I don't actually know. It's, it's some, maybe it's this weekend, but you could only do curbs or, uh, uh, online ordering. So you That's walk right. in, do the whole, like check your ID 45 times thing. And everybody's super, super nice. The place from what I saw looks beautiful. So I really like their branding too. It yeah. reminds me a lot of Oxford pennant. Like it's very simple. Okay. Very like cool. They use kind of the same three colors. Everything's really like, like kind of muted, I guess. I, it's just, it, it very much so reminds me of like Oxford pennant or Oxbow or these places that I really, really, really love the branding of. Um, but it's kind of traditional. Yeah. It doesn't have that. Like, I don't know what it is, but for some reason when I think of dispensaries, I think like neon and like fucking like flower like you know i just like it just i don't know it's never going to be a thing i like but then these guys i was like yeah i kind of dig this man it's it's cool i like that to that point there's a lot of different branding now and there's a different brands coming out where you get like the resonate in the uh good chemistry where it's like almost the medicinal side of it but from what i've seen of buds it feels more of like i don't know like the the down home you know grassroots version of yeah it's dope. I'm, I'm super into it. Um, yeah. So that happened. Uh, I got some beers from Redemption Rock, which I'm going to tomorrow, which you guys will hear this morning. Um, <laughs> but, uh, or later, I don't know how to phrase that, but yeah. So good hang is beautiful IPA from those guys or pale ale from them. Um, got that. It was great. And then the Boston Red Sox rehired Alex Cora. That's all I needed. I was so dude the same day. So like, I guess technically it was the day before, but like everybody kind of knew that Biden won on Friday and it was like, they kind of called it for Biden. And then Cora was brought back. Like, wait, was Cora brought back Friday or Saturday? I thought it was Saturday. No, it was Friday. He was, was brought back Friday. Yeah. Cause they were joking around about being like a Friday news dump, but like it wasn't a Friday news dump. But he's fucking Alex Cora. So yeah, I'm very, very, very happy to hear that. I actually have faith in the Boston Red Sox again because they brought back the right person for the job. In return, they will end up signing free agents because everybody wants to play for Cora because he's an amazing manager. And yeah, um, RIP Alex Trebek. I was was gutted. Um, How was your week? (laughs) See, not to downplay Alex Trebek. You're not worried about the the whole signal stealing shit from Alex Cora? No, that like... First of all, everybody does that. Second of all, that was with Houston. That He literally was found not guilty of doing that with Boston. I don't care what he did in Houston. It's like, 
again, everybody cheats in baseball. It's always been that way. It will always be that way. They'll find another way. It's just, it's all part of the game. So it is, even though it's like an uneven playing field because of the cheating, everybody's doing it. It's an even playing field. The only thing that like is very wrong in my opinion is the banging of the trash can type stuff. Like everybody still signs, but the granted it's a creative way of doing it, but it's, it's just like kind of a Bush league thing in my opinion. It's just such a bitch move. So yeah, I don't like that stuff, but Hey, he didn't do it with the Red Sox and they won a championship. I don't care what he did in Houston. He paid his price. He yeah. lost I mean, he a, spent year. a year. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the Tigers hired AJ Hinch, who is the manager of Houston when all this went down. So it's like, whatever, whatever. Give you. me, no, I, give me good managers. You know, as somebody that doesn't really follow sports too closely, when I listened to the NPR article about it and I learned about the, the sign stealing stuff and I'm like, okay, that's cool. But yeah, I don't know if we want, but anyway, uh, my week was great, man. Uh, well, as good as it was going to be, it was, it was pretty freaking tough. Like you mentioned, um, yeah. it was super challenging to stay focused and productive, but I did manage to get some projects done. I'm working on a fun new project with greater good, uh, which should be coming out soon. A new IPA Woo-hoo. because surprise, surprise, they're all IPAs. Um, this weekend, Saturday, it was such a frigging gorgeous day that Sarah was like, dude, we got to go take a walk. And I'm like, all right, you're right. We got to go. So we ended up going out to Coe's Pond and saw the new Eamon Gillen mural that's painted on the Benenda Beach House down there. Happy birthday to Eamon, by the yeah, way. Yeah, happy birthday, <laughs> Eamon. You beautiful bastard. Um, his mural is so fun, man. It's like this uh, Worcester scene of a frog riding on a turtle, and you can see triple deckers. And his style is like becoming more developed, like he's a tattoo artist by trade and he has a very, yeah. not distinct, but he has a, a style that he draws And but his art style with a can is now kind of, it was very tattoo and it's, it's like original form, but the more he works at it, the more he's transcending and evolving to this new, like he did a lot of what I would refer to as pixelization, not pixelization, uh, pointillism or stippling, um, these little dots and using dots for shading. And if you look up close, it just looks like a bunch of circles, but you step back and it's the shading of the different creatures. And it's just so oh, That's cool. Yeah. So nice work, Eamon. Thank you for nice. painting that. He's working on another out. one over at Beaver Brook right yeah. now, I think. Yeah. Um, and then Saturday, we also had a socially distant hang with a few of the Pawa Worcester peeps over at Mark and Morgan's new house. Um, we got to meet their two-year-old Popo Sugar, who is a uh. big ball of love. <laughs> And, uh, oh shit, hold on. I want to get something real quick. Okay. So you guys, while Travis gets that, I'll tell you guys more. Um, shout out Alex Cora. I'm pretty sure we're going to sign a couple of relievers. It's going to be sick. And I honestly, I can see a way where the Red Sox win the World Series again. Hey, Travis, welcome back. We've been talking about baseball. I can tell. Um, (laughs) they gave us these shirts. These are our, uh, I'm a smile maker 2020 Harvey ball. Oh, sick. Uh, that's a good word for it because I don't know who was thinking making this design. I am not going to wear a shirt that says 2020 on it. That's uh, just not my style. <laughs> but uh, it has all the winners of the Harvey Ball Award, the world oh, yeah. tour, as it were. Okay. <laughs> thank you for the t shirt and uh, thank you for the smile award. Everybody should go watch that video because it was fun. Cool. 
Um, I think with that, we could probably jump over to the conversation with oh, Lance real and Tim. quick, just a heads oh. up. Uh, Donald Trump lost. I don't even know if we touched on that, but yeah, he lost the presidency or last election, which is wonderful. I kind of don't mind the idea of a recount because then we get to watch him lose twice. But I also know it's going to be a very long two months of him doing a bunch of dumb stuff and saying dumb stuff and it being really annoying. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He is gone. So yeah, Uh, shout out America. We'll get to that. We'll definitely get to that. I feel like we're going to touch on that in Stokes and Pokes. Yeah, probably. Take it away, us. What is cracking, Fizzle Fiends? This week on the show, we are talking to Lance Rian Stierna and Tim Polari, lords of Crawl Space Media. What is happening, guys? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having us. This is great. I got my seltzer ready. This is perfect. Whoa, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. You guys are seriously, I mean, the fact that you two have microphones in front of you shows that you are some of our most prepared guests we've had on. These are not real microphones. These are not plugged in. And I don't even know if mine is made out of anything that's got electronics in it. Yeah, they're just part of the Zoom background. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to give me a microphone in prison. True. <laughs> not a real one anyway. So convincing. But. I mean, your prop making skills are spot on, man. Or I got a lot of time on my hands in here. <laughs> what are they what are, what are they for? sneaking you in i mean that looks like plastic how are you getting plastic through the bars uh well i have some friends um on the inside i have some uh, guards that uh know how to get things so we'll just leave it at that a red style <laughs> character yes exactly fair deal <laughs> so awesome guys well we talk about prison but i, I think you guys are a little more well versed on true crime and uh other subjects of that nature wow i gotta get better at this shit um crawl space media started with missing maura murray i believe which is a podcast about maura murray we want to take it away from there like let us let sure. our listeners know sure thing yeah um yeah we we run crawl space media and uh, we're based in worcester and uh we we do mostly podcasts and documentaries and uh the first podcast we started uh together was in july of 2015 it it is called missing maura murray it is still going and uh, it is about a uh, a real life missing person uh named maura murray um lance and i were working on a documentary about the community the online community that is obsessed with the disappearance of maura murray and uh we were doing a documentary on those people and and you might think well that's pretty small that that has to be a small thing and it kind of is it's it's a niche i will say but the community the online community of people who follow the case is not that small 100,000 people or something like that maybe more um who follow it you know r- pretty regularly um so we were doing the podcast initially to further our documentary, um, which uh, it was called Finding Maura Murray. And, uh, but really, initially, the, right away, the podcast kind of took off and, and people sort of looked at us as investigators in this case. And, you know, we don't have any investigative background. We certainly don't come from a law enforcement background or anything like that. So we were kind of, we kind of had to evolve um, with the show. It was a really interesting um, way to start off, right? Because we're, first of all, interested in the disappearance because it's fascinating because it's a single car accident in um, the White Mountain region of New Hampshire and she's just gone. 
There's no evidence, no credible sightings, nothing. Uh, it never has been any uh, activity on a cell phone. There's never been any activity on a debit card. Uh, just gone. So that in itself is really fascinating, and it makes you want to pull your hair out when you're just looking at the mystery in itself. Um, but the more we were looking at it, uh, and it all started with a man who made a video online when we were like, wow, there's a really unique group of people who are looking into this case, and they start from this end of the spectrum, which is responsible. We didn't we didn't know the term citizen detective at the time. We just, we just thought that these were people like us looking into a case. And sure. And, and some people were super responsible and some people were like this guy who made this video. So it was this entire spectrum of, of uh, personalities. So uh, yeah, the documentary, docu the documentary was really um, more of a, like a, like a psychological experiment. Like what is going on with these, with these people and why are they so into it? Why are they so passionate about it? Why do they get so mad when you disagree with a theory? <laughs> well, it, yeah, yeah. It, it was right really right when like the true crime kind of uh, the modern true crime f uh, phase really exploded, um, you know, with serial and making a murderer and things like that. And, uh, and so I think that's partly why we got such a passionate response um, because, you know, all of a sudden amateurs were investigators. And, and again, like I said, like we were now looked at as investigators and uh, leaders of this online community that we did not, you know, intend for. Um, so, but we, we really took the role and, and rode with it and really, really appreciated it. And it wasn't more than a few months into the, the podcast's run where we got approached by uh, a production company, a TV production company um, that ended up leading to the uh, disappearance of Maura Murray television show, which aired on Oxygen um, in the fall of 2017. Uh, six-part series, and um, and so we were we were excited to bring. We were we were really hoping, you know, and we never dreamed really when we started our documentary and the podcast that we would have some effect on the actual case. Sure. And so, yeah, when the oxygen show got underway and uh, the possibility of that happening uh, became a reality, we started getting really excited, and we're like, well, well, now contractually contractually we're not really allowed to break any new news in the case because of this show but that's very much worth it because we can actually make progress in this uh in this case we, we had heard that the police were actually going to participate the Murray family was ready to participate so we were very excited that uh that the show was going to bring pro uh, progress to the case that's fascinating so i'm sure you guys get the question all the time but you didn't know mora no guys, we didn't know her no no connection whatsoever yeah, she is from um, the Hanson area, south of Boston, and um, I'm from a little north of Boston in Medford. Uh, Lance is from southern New Hampshire, and uh, we're around the same age. I think we're we're a few years, at least a few years older. I think yeah, between three and five years older than Mora, so we really probably wouldn't have had any connection to her anyway. Um, but yeah, we really, you know, I I never heard of the case when it happened. You know, I was sure. living in Massachusetts when she went missing. Um, and, uh, it wasn't until years, years later, uh, when Lance, um, sort of got involved a little bit in the online community and, and asked me about doing this documentary that, that I even heard about the case in the first place. Yeah. I'd never heard of it either. I actually have a friend, uh, who lives in Charlton, whose name is Maura Mori. So like every time I've heard it, I'm like, 
wait, hold on a second. That's not the same person, right? Like, and I talk to her pretty frequently, so I know she's not missing. But yeah, every time I've seen it, that's the first thing I've thought of. But I never heard of the actual case before until then. Can you send us a picture of her just so we can confirm? Because <laughs> it'd be awesome to wrap it up. Yeah, how, yeah right? How Turns crazy would I've that been be? I've been the entire time. <laughs> she just changed her name crazy. by two letters. Yeah, <laughs> how crazy would that be? It would be crazy, but would it, it would not surprise me at this point. I mean, if this was how we were going to like go out of 2020, I'd be like, yeah, all right. Well, she switched around a couple letters in her name and um, and it's it, we got her. There we Managed go. to ignore all the... <laughs> all the buzz yeah well that's fascinating i mean so like again i didn't know about the case until i heard about your podcast and again i heard about your podcast because i think you guys were featured in worcester magazine um a couple years back and that's when i learned about crawl space and then my wife i will tell you that she was you guys are probably the biggest get in her eyes for us because she was the first people are like wow you're talking to them <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. That's cool. I can't wait till you report back to her and you're like, they just wouldn't shut up. No, they were normal. <laughs> shut dudes. up. We couldn't get a word in edgewise. One of them was disappearing into a wall. <laughs> the other one was on the beach. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really nice here. You really, I mean, you do have both scenes from Shawshank or both ends of Shawshank in this. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna tunnel out. <laughs> So you guys started with Miss Maura Murray from your, did you ever finish the documentary? So uh, the oxygen show aired and then we kind of uh, again, contractually had some, you know, we basically had to scrap what we wanted to do originally. Um, so it ended up having to be a, um, a very independently done docu series that, uh, that we did release on Amazon prime. We released four episodes. We're working on more. And again, it's very independent. It's really more about our journey. Um, the first four episodes I would say are very interesting though, because they, they were, well, I mean, I think all of it's really interesting, but, um, we followed James Renner, uh, this uh, author of of a book on Maura Murray called True Crime Addict. And the first four episodes of Finding Maura Murray are us uh, going with him. It's, it's kind of like a road trip documentary where we're actually, we go to the crash site in New Hampshire, and uh, then we go to Canada where he actually thought she might have been. Um, so we had a bunch of missing posters and we went to a few different cities in Quebec, Canada. And then on the way back, we stopped to see Mora's car, uh, which is at a state police barracks in New Hampshire. So, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting documentary, I think. It's an yeah. interesting way to plan a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like Tim said, it was um, sort of a road trip type movie, and it did turn into, uh, well, it, it really did fit the category of a, of a psychological um I don't know, like a slow burn, like a, it, it, there were moments where it was so surreal and bizarre that it could be taken like um, that movie. Uh, remember when Catfish came out uh, before the TV show where you didn't really know about it yet? Like you didn't know what it was. And then as it started to unfold, you were like, oh, shit, this is kind of creepy, but kind of yeah. funny. And 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 then you're wondering why people do this. So this whole like social psychological experiment. Um, and we were learning as we were going when we were with James, we were we were shooting all the time because we didn't know what he wanted to do. We, he didn't really know where to um, kind of start, you know, do we go to gas stations? Do we go to bars? Do we go to gyms? Uh, he had this 
um, theory because she was a track runner and she had pizza in college that she really liked pizza. So he was like, you know, we can check out some pizza places. You know, he had very like limited information on her as a person and what she'd be doing in Canada. So it was really fascinating to look at what, where we went and why. And, uh, and then we would kind of talk like he would, he would be, you know, he'd go to the restroom and then we would say, okay, so what do you think about this? And like, he's super passionate. Like you can't, you can't fault him for taking time out of his own life to go look for somebody who he's never met and go to another country. So no matter what he did, it was still always coming back to that one thing where one of the funniest things about the trip was not funny, but uh, telling was that we planned it and he made missing posters, but he never made missing posters in French. And we went to French speaking areas in Canada. <laughs> And that never even occurred to me until ah months later. Months later, we were putting up <laughs> we were putting up flyers, and then I, I I don't even know if I like really thought through it. And then months later, I was like, oh, those are in English. Like, yeah, oops, wow, that's really strange. So so even all that planning, he still didn't think about putting them in 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 French or having just like a, a French line on the on English and French. Yeah. Um, so it's a super fascinating uh, experience to to be with him. Um, yeah, and yeah. and the documentary is sort of is was really supposed to be us observing the the people who are obsessed with the case, but uh, quickly we became obsessed too. So it's kind of it's kind of tough to um, uh, see the forest for the trees uh, draw in, the in line. this case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of has those those uh, <laughs> elements too. Nicely done. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I could totally see that. I and mean, even that is a story in and of itself of how you start from the outside and how easy it is to get caught up inside it. And cause it is, it's super easy. Like I've been watching the, um, oh my God, the name of the show escapes me, but they're out on Oak Island out in Nova Scotia, trying to find that buried treasure. And it's so stupid. It's a bunch of just knuckleheads digging in the dirt. <laughs> but you can't help but be compelled by the story and be like somewhat a little bit interested to see if they really could find buried treasure. How many seasons is that? Because I remember watching that and on like season three, I was like, this is the same episode. It's the same it's episode the same every shit. single time. They just bring in at a different guy with the metal. The, the, the guy that saved the show was the British guy with the metal detector. And he's like, oh, it's a coin. And he's like, he's my favorite because he's finding these tiny little trinkets, but they're making the biggest deal about him. <laughs> Wait, that's a, that's a real show? Yeah. I thought uh, that was a joke. <laughs> Curse of Oak Island. No, it's a real show. I think there's like eight seasons. Oh eight that's seasons. Yeah. Wow. I mean, though, the mystery of Oak Island is really um, crazy. Like that is super fascinating. And, you know, all the little traps that were set up in that and, you know, in the whole system underground there. But eight seasons. Yeah. The, yeah. Who do you think they are? Missing more Murray? <laughs> well, actually, I was going to say, I don't think this is the first comparison we've had to that show um, because I, I haven't seen that show. But I understand that, um, like you guys said, like there is at its core, a compelling mystery. And then you have groups of people who are really at, after the same goal. And uh, I know, I believe in that case, some of them are at odds with each other. And uh, in, in our case, that ends up kind of happening um, at times um, because 
really, I think with, with the podcast now more missing more Murray, if, if we, it doesn't upset somebody, I feel like it's not being effective. And, and, you know, I want to clarify, like, we're not trying to piss people off, but people are so passionate that if you have, if we have on a guest who has a, a strong opinion, you're, uh, automatically going to, going to upset certain, uh, fraction of people. And, and it works best like that, to be honest. They, they you know, well, they're more uh, compelling conversations that way. Right. It's passionate. You know, you want, you know, the, even the people who are upset, they're going to listen again because they, you know, they want you to come out of that, uh, you know, or, or have a, a, someone who disagrees with that last person, you know? And I think um, we understood that this ultimately raises awareness for missing people. Sure. And then we, we started crawl space because we wanted to, raise the awareness for as many cold cases and missing person cases, uh, and also to educate ourselves. And I think in turn would educate the listener on a number of different ways cold cases are investigated and researched. And uh, that was something that always fascinated us. And the, the title crawl space just came from uh, Tim and I brainstorming, like, a, how do you how do you describe like digging deeper, getting into uncomfortable spaces? Like, what is that? Like, what is like, you know, yeah. you have to, it, it's going to be dark at times, you know, there, there has to, but there has to be something you can find in there. And uh, yeah, I think we were, we were just brainstorming anything. We came up with it kind of simultaneously. And we were like, Oh, like a crawl space. So that's where crawl space came from. But uh we we started that because of uh, Brianna Maitland's disappearance is always connected with Maura Murray's disappearance because it was like a month later, you know, just around a month later, a uh, little over and um, like 90 miles away. Very similar mm -hmm. circumstances, single car on the side of the road. Uh, Brianna's case is a little bit more um, obviously uh, nefarious because her car was backed into the side of a house and and sort of got hung up on the foundation of the house. And she wasn't able to to move it, um, but same deal. She disappeared, no trace, no sightings that that have been credible, no activity on cell phones, bank accounts, nothing. Um, and uh, her dad, Bruce Maitland, reached out to us and asked us if we would cover it. We had a lot of listeners who wanted to know, like, are they connected? Um, you know, as far as we know, they're not connected disappearances. Uh, but we we ended up working with Bruce a lot, and Oddly and so his much. his personal private investigator Greg Overacker, um, member of law enforcement, a former uh, police chief, uh, Lou Barry, and um, a number of other people. Like uh, Chloe came onto the scene with us, and she's uh, she helped out as a um, what's her what was her her title? She was a um, she was a like a psych um, psych counselor. Like she worked a, at a psych hospital. Yeah, she yeah. was um, like a group counselor, I think, at a psych hospital. And um, she was one of the people who reached out to us when we started missing Maura Murray. And uh, she's she has a twin sister, and and they've always both been really interested in crime and disappearance cases. And so she was really a big help um, and a big part of the show when we initially launched it. And and our Brianna Maitland coverage. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's so and, cool that crawl space emerged from the need to find these other cases and people reaching out to you and building this own community of your own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and now would, we have a number of we have a number of people that you know we never thought like in my professional life before this I never thought that I would be close with um, 
FBI agents and former <laughs> U.S. Marshals and, um, you know, a, a, a criminal psychologist from the U.K. or even like a true crime writer. Like these are people that we just reach out to as well as people that are interested in, in a case like Mora's or Brianna's. And, and they have time to and, and passion and motivation to do something uh, positive in, in, in a situation like that. Um, the, uh, the nonprofit. I never thought that I'd be on the board of a nonprofit that that raises money to help investigations for missing people uh and work with somebody like bruce maitland but you know it's humbling but it's it's also very uh it's very rewarding at times you know and it's very frustrating at times yeah yeah we started it um really yeah like you said lance to kind of um learn more and uh, we also were a little bit frustrated with just missing more Murray because we couldn't really express our personalities at all and um we do have more interests which are not just dark ones. Um, but we, you know, we love, we are interested in mysteries, you know, like, uh, unsolved murders and missing people and, but more, you know, and we're, we're, uh, fun loving guys. We're actually quite goofy in our personal, uh, lives. So we really needed to show our personalities more. So crawl space, you'll see that a little bit more. And then we also launched, uh, empty frames, which is an art crime, um, podcast. So we're really kind of, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we really kind of explore all sorts of uh, mysteries. Uh, Most of them are kind of New England uh, based, the ones we do uh, deep dives in. But yeah, it definitely is rewarding. What exactly is art crime? (laughs) Oh, like heist. We started at the Gardner Heist. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We we started that um, because we had a listener of Missing Maura Murray who was very interested in the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist. And he said, uh, <laughs> he basically was like, can I, can I help you guys make this, this podcast? What do you need? And, and we we're, we we're like, oh, yeah, sure. We can, we can do this. And we worked out a, an arrangement with the, um, like the podcast network that we were on at the time. So it became like an exclusive for their network. And uh, yeah, it was great. We, we sort of got pigeonholed a bit on our, guess because uh there was another podcast that i'm not going to mention because i'm not going to give them the uh the 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 press but uh (laughs) another organization far more powerful than crawlspace media which is super surprising i know really shocking it's really (laughs) shocking there isn't one but we're basically talking about QAnon levels here gotcha Um, understanding about that uh so no they they this other um media conglomerate was making another podcast about the same topic and the people that we wanted to interview signed um NDAs. i guess exclusivity uh agreements with this other network but that was fine because that really um forced us to create an alternative narrative as to how the heist story is told and we talked to former guards we talked to uh people who wrote books about the criminals in in the city at the time um, we talked to art recovery uh, master, Arthur Brand, um, like so many people that we probably wouldn't have reached out to, uh, you know, former night watchman, former, uh, a former door guard that she gave information about a man who just like bullied his way in and went into the security room, you know, a few days before the heist. And it was like breaking news. Like, really? That happened? So a lot of these. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, th- and it was a different narrative. 
And we're not journalists too. So that other one is kind of like a polished, very journalistic version where they play like five, they use five minutes of like two hour conversation. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to do the deep dive where it's like, you're going to hear the entire goddamn conversation. If we talk to someone who's really interesting, you know, because that's, that's what we do. So yeah. What, while that did happen and kind of forced our hand, we, I think at our core are more comfortable being that rebellious podcast because we're not journalists, you know? Sure. How do you guys find your guests and like reach out to them? A uh, lot of different ways. Yeah, a lot of word of mouth, um, Twitter, a lot of online social media stuff too helps. <laughs> nice. Yeah, there's a lot of articles that are written about um, uh, elements that that we talk about, you know, like like a psychology uh, article or... or um, yeah, so we'll find the person who write, who who wrote that article or the subject of that article, and then we'll you know research to see if we can find contact info on that person. Uh, it's it's like a pretty even percentage between people that reach out to us, people who suggest somebody, and people that we look into on our own. Nice, that's fat. I mean, so do you guys think that your success is partly because you are just so interested in the topic and in the subject matter and you're clearly passionate about say the research portion of this that you're willing to spend that much time because i think there's a cash grab a little bit for this style of podcast where people are there's a lot more that hit the market now because everybody thinks they're easy to do and they're fun to do and i could do this too but there's a very clear distinction between somebody that's doing it for money and somebody's doing it for clearly a passion it's a great question and uh yeah something that we see too um i think you make a lot of good points in that and um i i really think it's on the listener to um i i don't necessarily mean decide but i i think the listener can tell uh what what the intention of the podcast or the the voice really is you know so i think I think if it's not coming from a real place, it's going to be pretty obvious pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, for us, for us, uh, it's, you know, it's definitely in us, that passion. Clearly. I mean, you both just told me how much time you spend researching and how you find guests by looking at other articles. And now you're racing against a major network to try to get people to talk to you before they talk to them. Yeah. Well, to be to be honest, they're racing against us now. We're on season three, and they haven't made anything else. So I, I take that as a win. <laughs> That's what's up. Yeah, hell yeah. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Yep. I mean, we were contractually obligated, but <laughs> are you Just still kidding. working with another podcasting network? Or are you guys completely independent now? We are independent, but um, yeah, we we work with um, Spotify and Anchor um on with our podcast network we have we have our podcast network which you could say is is a an independent podcast network that has some partners like spotify and anchor and uh some other ones like podfluence which is really cool um which is a, a site that gets people um interested in in different shows that they haven't heard of and things like that mostly true crime um, we have a, a get vocal as a partner where we do um we do some live shows we do a weekly uh thursday night live show on oh, get that's vocal. cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It streams right to uh, YouTube, Facebook, and um, Twitter for us. So from one, and we broadcast it from one location. And we have a chat room every week uh, on getvocal.com that uh, participates. And that's like you mentioned earlier. It's a community. You know, we're, we've really built this community. It kind of just happened naturally, and that's um, ah, really cool. 
a weekly live show sounds exhausting. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, we we get so pumped up for it. Uh, Lance even more so than me because uh, he he like gets the warm up music going now, which is a new <laughs> a new thing. House music. <laughs> Yeah, the house music. Yeah, Lance gets really fired up for these. Uh, depending on our guests, sometimes I'm a little mellow because uh, I have kids in the next room who are sleeping. And uh, also some of them are a little bit darker, uh, some of the episodes. But when they're fun, you know, they're like, well, I mean, they're always interesting. But the, some of them are really kind of raucous when they're, uh, it's a fun guest. Yeah, it's 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 not exhausting at all. It's on Thursday night. So it's like the end of the it's 9 p.m. on Thursday. It's the end of the week wrap up. Um and it's just like laid back and we try to get guests that we can keep light. You know, they have important things to say, but they, you know, we can keep it light. We've had really heavy guests on and, and those conversations go well. Also, uh, we have a really good community of people that join in every Thursday and, uh, you know, they contribute by messaging in the, in the chat section. So there'll be this whole other conversation that's going on on the side. And, and these people are depending on it now, you know, they'll, they'll join in and they're like, it's a, you know, it's my favorite night of the week. And it's just so cool to see that and have that. That's awesome. You know, be it's someone that people love. Yeah, exactly. We're like the uh, we're like the full house of uh, Thursday night true crime. Get vocal. <laughs> that's I mean that's awesome. With this many shows and this many things you guys are doing, are you doing this full time? Like, is this your full time job these days? I was just about to ask that same question. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, I'm muted there. It's all good. Uh, yeah, it is our full time job. We've been doing it full time for um, a few years now. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Yeah, we're very lucky. Sorry, my dog's dreaming and it's distracting the hell. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. I have a question. Uh, where are you guys in Worcester? Yeah. Yeah. You're outside. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm in my backyard. <laughs> it's You're, gorgeous here today. It's gorgeous. I'm it was kind of cool this morning. I mean, I'm I'm more on easterly of you in Massachusetts, but Tim, I mean, you're, you're on your tropical Island beach. Uh, so, but it was just funny because Ricky was like outside. I thought it was his virtual background. And then he was like, no, I'm really outside. And now you, you took off like your, your overshirt and yeah, you're just it, in short sleeve. So I, I popped outside like 15 minutes before we jumped on to record. I had to like fix something really quick. So I jumped outside and I was like, oh man, it's super nice out. I'll, I'll just record out here. Um, when I first moved into this house, we didn't have any furniture in here. So I had to record outside cause it was super echoey. And then, so I like put a hoodie on cause I thought you know, I'm outside. <laughs> thought it November. was November. And then about 10 minutes into this, I was like, holy shit. I'm like starting to sweat a little bit. Like the sun <laughs> is nice. pretty much right behind me, but yeah, no, it's, it's gorgeous outside right now. It's very strange. I think that's you awesome know. that you guys live you know, opposite directions and Worcester is your center spot of all places. Like you guys have an actual studio space here, right? We do. Yeah. In, uh, in Worcester. And um, when we were recording there before uh, this, this horrible uh, COVID pandemic, um, we were recording, uh, you know, regularly there and, and going there every weekday really um, to record. And, and our intro was always here we are in the, in the crawl space studios in Wormtown. Uh, <laughs> Tim and Lance. Uh, so that was always a fun part of our uh, intro. And now since the pandemic, we kind of had to lose that part. Bummer. Hopefully it's coming but, back eventually. Worcester, yeah, yeah hopefully. Uh, Cause it was so nice. It was so cool to go to our building. Worcester is a 
really wonderful city that is um, has been coming up for a while and is really, I mean, COVID probably set it back a little bit like everything else has been set back but you know yeah. Worcester is now getting the um the Red Sox affiliate team the is it the double the triple a team Actually, yeah, uh, there you go the I just happened to throw this on so <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice. you already have the uh the hat and uh unfortunately they're getting rid of Kelly Square which was always a delight but they have I mean, all it's those still old... there it's just the Kelly Kotex now <laughs> uh it's too bad because I uh, oh my I remember experiencing that for the first time and then and then thinking like oh they should make like t-shirts about this and I looked it up and there was already so many t-shirts about it and the, my favorite was uh Kelly Square Worcester because fuck you <laughs> yeah no that's that's pretty, that sounds I mean, about right I'll be honest you you go in there right now it's still not any better it's just people going in a circle and a little more hectic yeah. Oh, is there a rotary now? Is that what it is? It's a double yeah. rotary. You boys haven't been back in a bit, have no, you? Yeah, it's no. Yeah, it's a okay. double rotary. Um, okay, well, that helps. It's operational. <laughs> if there's one way to make Kelly Square even more dangerous, it's to put a double rotary in there. We're just yep. going to start giving all the cars <laughs> knives and then just see what happens. They're just going to drive into each other. and It'd be like, remember that show BattleBots? It's a little bit like that. <laughs> or like Twisted Metal. I think this is the next... Uh, the next Mad Max movie. It's like Mad Max Kelly Square. <laughs> Kelly Square. I I watch it. I watched Mad Max Fury Road for the first time on Saturday night. So I actually really? know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm like the worst <laughs> movie. I'm the worst movie person, probably in the world. Um, and yeah, my girlfriend's brother was like, "We have to watch Mad Max Fury Road." I was like, "Cool." I don't know what that is. And he's like, "It's like my favorite movie ever." And we watched it, and it was. It was a it was a movie. <laughs> it's, it's, it was a movie. That was your that was your reaction. It kinda, didn't make any sense to me. It was just like these guys driving in the desert. There was uh, like six beautiful women, and then there was a guy playing guitar on the front of a truck. Uh, like, you, are the worst movie. Of you are the worst no. movie person. <laughs> I am. I'm the absolute worst movie person ever. <laughs> oh my god! You 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 joined in a, a franchise at like their fourth movie that was like. 18 years after like and then you're like it doesn't make any sense <laughs> why yeah. are they in the desert <laughs> i don't get it uh, someday I'll, oh, I'll probably watch the other ones but yeah it's a great movie They're yeah i love great. that movie yeah fury road was fantastic and the way it was shot was astounding it's yeah, yeah. i don't think i saw any of the, any of the other ones either i just Oh really? oh really oh good i yeah. had an uncle that was oh. into him my uncle frank's really into him so i was a younger kid and i remember watching them they're they're cool like thunderdome thunderdome was uh yeah it was just it's fun and it's over the top and it's yeah i don't know i can remember being it's 13. kelly square yeah dude two <laughs> men enter, one man leaves. <laughs> is that guy playing guitar on the front of the car <laughs> yeah yeah and and when he when he strums it uh flames come out of the uh amplifiers so the speaker yeah it's so insane it's so <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's so very good. insane the guy I who made to... that movie made babe pig in the city yeah, yeah and, and happy, they, feet. They, happy feet that's insanity they're all the same <laughs> yeah. movie you're probably right that guy is a brilliant filmmaker yeah if you look closely in kelly square there are actually dancing penguins too so it does kind of tie it all together 
I used to, uh, when we would, uh, leave the office for lunch occasionally and, and we didn't really know we we were not far from Kelly square, but sometimes we drive around, not really exactly knowing where we're going. And when we, whenever we'd realize, Oh shit, we're heading towards Kelly square. (laughs) It, it's like that feeling that characters get in, in a movie if they're in a river and they, they see, oh shit, a waterfall is coming. It's like, how do I do anything? Broke your grab paddle. A, <laughs> grab yep. a, a tree branch. Like, how do I stop from going over this waterfall? Just bail out of the car. Yeah. <laughs> is that the car would probably be safe in Kelly Square. Just go straight through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, hop you a jump curb. out. They do say don't stop, so. <laughs> yeah, don't stop. Just don't stop. <laughs> now just, you can go to the market and grab yourself a Wachusett beer and sit outside and just witness the horror show for hours. Just sitting there <laughs> sipping on your beer, watching. They have like a beer garden there now? Yeah. yeah. Like a little Kelly patio. Square is getting better. And, so you're telling me that what Kelly Square once was is now a double rotary, more dangerous, and you can sit outside and drink a beer and watch it happen. Yeah. You know yep. how like the American Revolution, <laughs> people used to go picnic and watch the battle? Yes. It's a little like that. <laughs> That's incredible. I was actually thinking about that. Like, like in the civil war where they had like, yeah. it was like they would put on, it was basically a show. Like people would just sit there and sip lemonade <laughs> and watch it. It's fucking insane. And that's yeah. somebody realized that that's what they need to do outside the world's worst rotary. It's where. It's, no, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. It's all you. I was just going to ask where you guys usually went to lunch when you're in Worcester, but I feel like your question is going to be a lot better. <laughs> no, no. The lunch question is pretty funny. We, um, so we went to, uh, I think, Panera the first time and literally killed our day. <laughs> like by the time we were done, we were like, it's four o'clock. Uh, we yeah. got like we got lost. We're like, we can't go anywhere beyond um, unless we're going to the highway because we knew how to get to the highway. And we were like, all right, we just got to stay within like 30 feet of this building and we'll be good. Unless <laughs> you're we're on back Grove Street, right? Uh, we're on Jackson Street, our, uh, yeah. our studio. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Cool. Yeah. Is that close to Grove Street? I'm not sure thought so maybe jackson not. street like near new tradition oh, that's jackson place no that's that yep. should be i think it's jackson street we're near downtown um we are, near main we're, street we're yeah we're nestled we are in between hurricane betty's and uh the other strip club yeah yeah so you're over near new tradition oh no shit i don't know is that another strip yeah, club? No, it's a coffee <laughs> shop. Maybe depends on how many coffees get served. Uh, it's a coffee shop, barber shop, motorcycle shop. Yeah, oh. love uh, Worcester. Yeah, <laughs> love Worcester. Uh, love we're we're like we're like maybe um, diagonally like three blocks away from uh, the hot dog place, Coney Island yeah. hot dog. I, okay, I, yeah, this is exactly where we think you are. I was yeah. wrong. I don't know why I thought you guys were over by the fix, but um, so awesome. So to answer your question, we we went to Panera the first time, and then occasionally we would go and meet people where they knew. Oh, we got sushi once at a place that I can't even tell you the story because it's going to turn oh, my stomach. That was that the was worst. really bad, really <laughs> bad the, sushi. The worst. Um, oh, Shang okay. Shangri La, Shangri La. I think it's called. Is that what it's called? It's downtown Shangri-Li. Worcester. It's- yeah. <laughs> it's like I've right across it. from yeah it's like right across from uh the city hall or whatever the big plaza there um the, w- w- turtle boy right near turtle boy yeah i don't know if it's still there i think that might have yeah, uh, yeah. it, it wasn't like we were craving sushi we we had gotten a um p.o box and it was right there next to where the p.o box was and we were like oh let's grab uh, lunch here celebratory and, p.o box sushi oh i know <laughs> i know exactly where you guys were <laughs> 
was the PO box inside the Midtown Mall. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I and I know exactly where Shangri-La. It's right on the corner, like yes. the CVS. Yeah. Yep. I've never had food there, but I I know exactly what you're talking about. Is that yeah, place still yeah. open? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> the hot food was was great though. Well, we never tried it, but we heard great things. But don't get the sushi if it's open. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So we stuck to takeout. We got um, really hooked on, I'd say, three places, one of them in particular, and uh, to the point where uh, I think the the people who um, like ran the place were like, do you guys ever eat anywhere else? Like, we kind of feel like, <laughs> kind of feel like you guys, are you guys okay? <laughs> so yeah, let's run through them real quick. And when anytime we meet someone that we knew and we had to suggest something, the only place that we really knew that like that was close enough and that had seats was Nana's, I think it's called, which is like right near the the Sendo Ice Ice Arena, I, MCU Center or whatever it's called. Um the ice hockey oh, arena there. Yeah. Oh no shit. No Yeah. That's not open anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a brewing well, co. Base State Brewing Co. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and then what Sophia's Lance, <laughs> we, we, we sw- quickly switched to just delivery because we, because again, like the, we couldn't, we didn't really know our way around enough. And then the Kelly square problem and then the Panera issue, we just, <laughs> we'd spend too much time. Uh, it wouldn't be an efficient enough day. So we needed to get delivery. So Sophia's was right down the street and always on point with their wraps. Uh, Ola's tomato pie. OTP. Yes. Really like them too. Yeah. Where's that? Uh, good question. We just, might be they just came to us. We didn't go to them. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, let's see. The, yeah, what those else? were we, like they were on rotation. Um, there was that Greek place that then stopped doing the uh, delivery. Remember the right. Greek place? Wraps and things or something like that. Oh, yeah. Like wraps and bowls. Wraps and wraps and bowls. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I've never been there, but that place... I have friends who live over in that area and they said that was like one of the best places in the entire city. And then it closed. Oh, we oh, loved it. Closed? Yeah. Yeah. It closed. It's a much different scene when you guys get back here. I'll tell you. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, but is it like, is it like a wasteland like Mad Max? No, it's just a, a lot of changeover. <laughs> like we have a donut coffee shop downtown now that's bananas. There's a, what is that? Vietnamese. Uh, oh, rain. Uh, Chasu. What's Chasu? Oh, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's like ramen. Ramen. Yeah, there's a lot okay. of like really. It's funny that all the places you guys mentioned, nobody around here would mention in terms of like, <laughs> like regular. We don't mean that. No, it's just it's interesting to hear. <laughs> we it was really like whatever is available on E24 that we could get delivered was really what we got basically. That's incredible. I respect that. <laughs> but when when we can all get together again, we have to meet up. You have to take us to one of the new places. Yeah, uh, oh, and hands down, we'll yeah. take you guys on tour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfect. Maybe we yeah. can grab a beer and watch the new Kelly Square and see what's going on there. <laughs> we'll place bets on who's going to make it out alive. I'd love that. I'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> we we had planned on going out there. Uh, we had planned on going out there and interviewing um, someone for Missing More Murray because they were local. And then um, you know Tim was like should we really go out there now? Like it just takes the novelty away because of COVID because it's like, why are we putting anything at risk? Like when we yeah. can do this over zoom and, you know, and uh, hopefully that comes back because it is a, it was a really fun way to spend the day. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. We, since March, Travis and I have only recorded every single episode except for what one of them, I think. 
two. We did two in person. We did the Queens Cups, and then we did one a couple of weeks ago. Oh, in your backyard. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, it was two of us sitting in my on my deck in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even, I mean, like 90% of the people we interview are within like a 10-minute drive from where either one of us are. We've had to record via Zoom. So it makes sense you guys kind of stuck to that. And it, it's a little bit better in person. I think editing is a little bit, you, you don't, you don't need as much editing time, I would say, but, um, but I think at this point, you know, so many months into the pandemic, I feel like the quality is about the same as it would be for us, um, being in person at this point. Yeah. I think it took a minute with the conversation. You have to leave pause moments and make sure it's not like we can just all talk over each other in a normal round the table setting. Right. Yeah. But once you got over that, it seemed it's not bad. Yeah. yeah, I still talk point. over people. Come on, man. <laughs> I, uh, to your point, I'd be much rather uh, sit around a table. It just, there's something about seeing people. Yeah. I, I didn't realize how social of a creature I am. I used to think I was a loner. And then this pandemic has pulled back the curtains on that realization, that whole line of thought. Oh, I, I, I went the opposite way. I feel like I'm, I'm more of a loner than I thought I was. Because <laughs> like, I don't really care about going anywhere anymore. It's not the going anywhere, but it's like the only talking to my wife. Like she's lovely. Mm. She's the love of my life. But turns out I like to talk to more people than just her. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fair. And and we get, we exercise that uh, every day with our job. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, you guys said you had other interests. Do you guys have other shows that you're, do you guys host the other shows on your network or do you just help produce them and stuff? Some of them um, we host uh, and some of them are completely produced by other creators who we have met somewhere along the way who we kind of pair up with and they join the network, um, which is which is really cool. But yeah, we definitely host some other shows. Um, I do a fantasy football one that is uh, a lot of fun because it's just a passion. I, I've been doing that one for a lot longer than Missing Maura Murray, technically. Like it, I, And it's never real. Like I don't take it that seriously, but I just have to talk about fantasy football. Yeah. That's awesome. I love sports, but fantasy, I've never been able to get into it. No, I, think, I don't know. No, all well, your, you love, you love the management portion of it. When you played NHL, I love the management. you were... Yeah. I love the management style of baseball and hockey football management makes no sense to me. There's like a million people on each team and I don't, football is like my least favorite sport. So it's, it's never been a thing. I like my old roommates were obsessed with fantasy football. They would have like a draft and there was a board and like all this stuff. And I get home and I was like, oh, cool. Like, I know the Patriots guys and like some of the quarterbacks, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I know the fourth running back on every single depth chart in the NFL. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that's me with like bullpen pitchers for baseball. Like I'm, I'm much more interested in that. <laughs> right. Do you do yeah, fantasy everyone's baseball? Got no. I, no, and I don't either. I, and I actually, I only watch football at this point too. I don't really like I, I let every other sport uh, slip and I, I don't miss them either. I, I still like the sports, but I don't watch anything else. Huh. It's it's with as much content that we can consume these days. It becomes laborious to watch any sports to me. And like my dad does fantasy baseball and he plays it to the point where you got to make like pay per move and that sort of deal. And it's what he's been doing his entire life. He loves it. I just don't share that passion. I would much rather work on a design or something, I guess. Yeah, everyone's really got their interesting. nerdy niche. Yeah. Everyone's got their nerdy niche is what I was going to say. Yeah. Agreed. And uh, 
Yeah. And I, I kind of look at it like it's kind of similar to what, what we do now, Lance. There's a lot of research is like you actually have to kind of be an investigator in some ways because the coaches don't actually tell you the truth on what they uh, <laughs> on what player is going to get what roles and whatnot. So you kind of have to read the tea leaves. I like that it's it's basically Dungeons and Dragons for jocks and no <laughs> none of the jocks want to actually admit it. <laughs> no, it funny. totally is. And you There's can no dice. Dork. Yeah, it's Dun- it's Dungeons and Dragons for dork, dorky sports fans. Like it's fine. You don't have to be a jock to enjoy fantasy football. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, think about how old sports are, right? Going back to like the Greek like coliseums and and gladiators. Like NFL is like modern day gladiators it, without the um you know, without the obvious like <laughs> killing yeah, someone. Do you think they did? The do you think they did fantasy chariot racing? That's what, where my joke was going. Yeah, <laughs> definitely gambling on that stuff for sure. Like f- fantasy is only like a more intricate way to gamble on on sports. You know. Yeah, good point. That's all. It really they were gambling is, yeah. on the election. <laughs> yes, I did as well. Tim, did you really? Tim I put sure a little did. cream on it. <laughs> I actually yeah. won three hundred dollars the first time uh, Obama was elected. It's, it's a good only, bet. I don't. I don't bet at all, and I have a friend who is kind of just a a natural troll <laughs> and he i'll never forget he was like i forget what we were, we were talking about it for some reason we just got out of high school like two years before and he was like why do you think obama's gonna win and i literally was like because eddie vetter said so and <laughs> so he bet me 300 dollars, and i just was like let's let's let it ride pearl jam will guide me home and they did did he did he pay you oh yeah Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Good. And then, but he's tried to bet with me every single election since then. And I've stayed away from it. Cause I was like, I don't gamble. And I felt pretty confident except for obviously like the 2016 one didn't really go the way I wanted it to. Yeah. But I should have bet him this time, but I stayed away from it. What did you bet on Tim? <laughs> I bet us. on Biden to win. Um, and I also bet on the electoral, um, difference the the amount of uh that biden would win by and then i also bet that he would win texas i got a little idealistic there um i mean you weren't good far off yeah Yeah. still counting yeah and and, you know but (laughs) really really though the odds really favored trump if you were actually going to make a bet like it was kind of a bad bet like I, i was looking at it for like months like looking at biden minus 170 for months and that's really not a great bet like one to two almost it's, it's a bad bet but i'm like i don't feel pretty comp i only put like 35 bucks on it or something like oh that's that. awesome <laughs> i was reading some douchebag online who's trying to argue his 27 grand bet on trump that the election was rigged and he sh- it's should be a fraudulent bet because it's a whatever i'm like pay yeah. the money you dumb fuck yeah, yeah i don't think i don't think they've paid out on it yet uh so hopefully that happens soon well, this has been a very interesting conversation. Um, we talked about way different. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Square in the background. Lance making is. sure that he gets his image seen. Yeah, How because, old is that photo? Yeah, I don't know. I, I I googled it, and it's this one. Like what it says is probably one of the funniest ones. Keep your eyes everywhere. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Keep your moving. eyes everywhere. <laughs> That's fantastic. That big green building doesn't exist anymore. No, that's why I'm like, how old is it? Is yeah, no, I don't know what that is. Looks like that's there's um FDR the... on a billboard up there. Yeah, what does that say? Poison? <laughs> what does that say? What is he saying? Something about it's, poison? It's a quote. No, it ends with best person. Oh, okay. That said best poison. 
He was saying that girl is poor. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tim, how do people find your podcast? How do people find you guys on social media? Oh, look, yeah. look to the, uh, look to the night sky. <laughs> we're in Worcester, right? So there's just going to be a sea somewhere over there. Yeah, there's a constellation that we're building, um, and uh, you can only see it in Wormtown. Um, but uh, no, it's uh, you can check us out at crawlspace-media.com. Um, you can find us at Crawlspace Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're also on Missing Mora uh, at Missing Mora Murray. Um, if you search for that on Twitter, miss, uh, Facebook, or Instagram, you'll find it all. And the, and the podcast apps, obviously. And my uh, fans only page is at podcaster stud. <laughs> That's S-T-U-D, one D. One D. Subscribe. Um, <laughs> Capital D though. Oh shit. Who's this guy? Obviously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this has been super cool. Thank you for uh, sharing your interest in true crime with us. Uh, showing us how to be professional podcasters and for creating some cool content in our city. Thank hey. you for, uh, yeah, this was a great conversation. A lot of fun to get to know you guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't want it to go unnoticed that you uh, have elf behind you there on, on. Oh yeah. He's uh he's clock. kind of the podcast mascot. It's true. It. And he's holding any a significance says, to the time. Yeah. It's six 45. That's <laughs> seltzer time. <laughs> Because uh, four plus five is nine, and we're children. <laughs> wow! Perfect. Shout out Sticky Pictures and Lou and Ricky. Um. All right, that's probably where we'll end. That was awesome. Um. Super fun to talk to you, couple guys killing it, doing the whole podcast thing on a much more professional, dialed-in level than than us <laughs> their show's just a little more focused so it's a, uh, a tiny bit yeah but first and foremost big thank you to lisa drexage from uh powwow and everything else that she was the one that suggested we talk to lance and tim and kind of help set that up so thank you very much for that and she was absolutely Shout out lisa those dudes are awesome those dudes yeah. were super cool um i've definitely listened to a couple episodes of the podcast just to kind of get their vibe true crime isn't necessarily my biggest interest i yeah kind of gets in my brain and I get real sad and depressed listening to it. But I know a lot of people are into it. Sarah and Caitlin were talking about it over the weekend. Naomi is super into it. So I don't know if she's listened to that one yet. I'll ask her when she gets home, but dude, I don't know what it is. Uh, like Sarah loves the shit and I'll, I'll come home or I'll, you know, come downstairs and just see what she's watching. And she's watching some other way that some wife murdered her husband and got away with it. And we can get a little concerned. Is she taking notes? Cause that's when you got to, Start being scared. <laughs> it's that and the ghost stuff. And then she wonders why she can't sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Naomi watches like that stuff too. And I'm like, what is, why would you do that? Also, I can't watch scary movies or anything. Um, I hate that stuff. But last weekend, yeah. Yeah. A week ago on Saturday, we watched a bunch of scary movies and I uh, had partaken in a little bit of an edible. And I laughed through the entire two movies what I movies that, uh the one with the nun it's like a scary nun okay and i forget maybe like the conjuring two or something like that we watched i could not stop laughing the entire time it was 
Like Naomi was like, yeah, it was, you made it like easier to watch because it was they were like super scary, which normally I would be like a psychopath. Like I'd be jumping, I'd hate it, but I I couldn't stop laughing. You, I was like so mind altered that it just it, I couldn't. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. It, it was, was awesome. nonsensical to you. Oh yeah, it's wonderful. See, I had the exact opposite. Or, or, yeah, I had the exact opposite. I watched the Borat movie this week, and um, oh yeah. I had to like, I watched it standing up, walking in and out of the living room because that like cringe humor just, it, it gets to me and it like hurts me from my core. So I'll start watching some scenes and I'm like, oh, like the scene in the clinic, in the abortion yeah. clinic where she's describing yeah. the baby. And, like my skin was crawling and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God I can't. And Sarah is just dying because she could see the separation. I don't know. I connect too much to it, I guess. I don't, who knows? Yeah. That was cringy just based off of like the doctor. Is he a doctor? I don't even know what they're called, those people, but that facilitator. The guy. Um, The things he was saying were just very uh, uncomfortable to hear. Very good. It It was very uncomfortable. Um, Real quick, I also don't want to go too far away from it. The 645 thing, that's freaking hilarious. Uh, That's, I, I'm now thinking about it, you've definitely told me that before, and I don't know why I went with four plus five is nine, but it works either way. It's so good. <laughs> oh yeah. Two yeah, years so, into this thing. Yeah, right. We'll we'll get there eventually. But yeah, so shout out Big those things. guys for coming on and yeah. killing it. Uh so hopefully, you know, we'll uh talk to them soon and show them some other spots around the city. Yeah, some other lunch spots. We can all go enjoy Kelly Square together. <laughs> awesome. All right. It's probably about that time. Hit Let's us do with it. Good, good solon. When you hit him with those stones, ow! Gotta slap him with those pokes. Oh, yeah! Stokes and pokes. All right. Well, like Ricky said, uh, for those who somehow haven't heard yet, we have a new president elect here in the United States. And for my poke, I'm going to start off by saying that we suck at listening to experts. Um, Over the summer, they said that the virus was going to get worse in the fall. And here we are. And then over the past couple months, they've all said that the election results were going to take a while and that we shouldn't expect an answer the night of. And that, you know, that week, we probably couldn't even see results but we still watched old dudes playing with their displays, talking about big dumps all week and uh, chart throbs, chart throbs, chart throbs, talking about big dumps. Sign me up. They all talked about like, Oh, we got a huge dump. Uh, I didn't talk about this big dump that I was expecting. <laughs> um, I get it. it. It was actually like, it's kind of exciting watching it. Oh, you finish your, well, no, just to the point, like, yeah, it's hard not to look away. It's a dumpster fire and you need to see, and the dumpster fire happens to have a lot of control over what the hell happens in the next four years. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard not to get fully wrapped up in it, but you know, people were upset the how long it took, but we fucking knew it was going to take this long. They told us it was going to take this long. It's true. What were you going to say? Um, It was exciting watching it. I mean, we all know how I feel about uh, how lovely I think Twitter is, but it, it kind of gave me the same feeling as watching um, like an MLB trade deadline day via Twitter, where which is easily my favorite day of the year. You watch these things 
kind of happen. And, and I was trying to explain it to Naomi, like the way that, or the way that like, at least I view this stuff is you see, I mean, everybody's going to be reporting things and you kind of, if you, if you stare into the Twitter void enough, like I do, you really can kind of tell when something is just tweeted just for the response or if there's actual credibility to it. That was happening a lot Thursday and Friday where things were really starting to take shape. And you, I, Naomi was unbelievably stressed out about the selection as was a majority of uh, everybody was people that we know. Um, but I was like Friday morning. I was like, Hey, like it's all good. Like we've got this in the bag. It it's things are starting to trend in the right direction. And like, I'm a big believer in trends because pretty much always correct. So like, watching the trends of what was coming out, you kind of had the idea of like, holy shit, like this is actually happening. And then it was super telling the way Trump and his team were handling everything. Everything was very much like he kind of knew it was over a couple of days in and, you know, two days before it was announced. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of amazing to have a couple of different group chats going and, and, Throughout the day, you're getting these texts that are like, oh my God, it looks like this is happening. Oh my God, this is happening. Here's a screenshot of this. Oh my God, this is happening. This guy's reporting this. And you kind of watch it all come together. And then it ha- it actually like played out that way. It was very, very, very exciting. Super stressful, but exciting. Say, if I didn't have a horse in the race, it would have been exciting and it would have been riveting. If I was in any other European country and was just watching it from afar, yeah, it would have been in way more enjoyable. Being in it was extremely stressful for me so like it was stressful but it also like okay don't get me wrong i hate donald trump more than i hate anybody in the world except for possibly mitch mcconnell that piece of shit but the like did i think biden was gonna win at the end of the day no not really because i have no faith in enough people doing the right thing i'm so happy that i was proven wrong I, I couldn't I couldn't imagine a world in 2016 where that like we actually made it possible for this guy to become president. And the fact that we've lived through four years that turned out to be way worse than even like the craziest theories outside of him getting us into a war, pretty much everything else that was talked about happened, but on a way worse level. Mm. And the idea that you know, we were finally going to be smart enough as a country, as a whole, to get us out of that situation. I, I, I didn't have a lot of faith in that actually happening. So like, it was kind of exciting watching it play out where at the end of the day, I was like, well, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be very upset and I'm going to be bummed and I'm going to be scared for a lot of people I know if he wins. But like, that's kind of what we showed was going to happen. So the idea that all these different groups of people got together and voted and actually changed it, it was, it was so much more exciting of a win because it happened. It fucking happened. Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, yeah. Saturday was an exhale and like oh, yeah. my mother-in-law was the first person to text us. Um, she was the one that let us know. And then, yeah, it was like, we were out walking around Coast Pond. We had this amazing conversation with some woman walking her dog. Her dog's name was Alf, oddly enough. So that's so sick. Felt like I was supposed to meet him. Um, <laughs> and it was just cool, man. It was just like walking around. You heard people screaming. You heard people cheering. Yeah. It was just 
was interesting. But I think that uh, John Oliver put it pretty well last night talking about. Oh, I haven't watched yet. I'm going to watch that a little bit. It's really good. He described kind of what America is. And if you, America is, if you look at our, you know, latest three leaders, you have the first black president of the United States. And now we've just elected the first female vice president. She's the first Pacific Islander to be elected to the position, you know, woman in the cabinet and sandwiched between those two is a fucking white supremacist. And as a whole, that's United States, man. And like, yeah. that's the shit that, that we as a country have to now figure out this fucking election was far too close. In my opinion, um, there, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of like dark corners that we got to go shine a light on and, and oh, yeah, yeah, talk sure. to some people. There's a whole middle of this country that doesn't think the same way as the edges do. And there's some shit to be reckoned with there. And I'm not saying one's right, one's wrong. I'm saying there's a conversation to be had and the right's probably somewhere in the middle, but hopefully that right includes caring about people and not money. That would be ideal. But uh, my poke is Dave Chappelle. Oh, I'm sorry, my stoke rather is Dave Chappelle because he <laughs> like, said, what? I know, right? That would have been terrible. Uh, <laughs> no, no, because he said it best. Uh, he has this like Richard Pryor ability to talk about this real shit with just this like small air of humor that makes it resonate and it makes it like impact the way it should. But it also like, he's telling you some real fucking shit, but he said that he reminded us that everybody that was celebrating on Saturday, everybody that's still celebrating now that reminded that it's good to be a humble winner, a humble winner. He reminded us about how much work is left to be done, his loose plan to make progress that he calls his kindness conspiracy, which is hilarious. Because um, in that little metaphor he built, did you see it? Did you watch him on that? Yeah, I did, I did. Yeah, he's great. Going out and giving it to people that don't deserve it, black people that don't deserve it, because we need to make up for the fucking slavery and the, the mistreatment of black people that didn't deserve it. And it was just so wonderfully put. And, and I, he's been on the pulse of current events for years, but this year with the release of 846 and then this monologue on SNL, it's my opinion that he is one of the strongest voices of our lifetime. And he has quite possibly some of the most insight for us to share, to like learn from his end bomb lessons as he keeps calling them. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of wild. I watched, uh, was it Thursday night? I think Thursday night I started Chappelle show from season one. Cause it's, it's now on Netflix. So like Naomi had to work late. I made my second mama sandwich and I was like, Oh, I'm just going to start Chappelle show. Like I'll have it on in the background. I've seen all those episodes a million times, but like, whatever. I forgot how like, insane the first episode is the first episode of the Chappelle show has the Clayton Bigsby skit Clayton Bigsby which like that's mind-blowing that that dude was given a tv show and he's like I have an idea for the first episode and like the pop copy up uh the pop copy skits in there and like it it's such a classic episode but like I my I totally forgot that the the Bigsby episode was or the Bigsby skit was that first episode in listening to him talk as Clayton Bigsby, if you were to close your eyes, he really does sound a lot like Trump sounds now. Like it's kind of insane. It's actually not insane, but it's it's kind of shocking that like 
that that has I, I haven't seen that comparison anywhere but when you you sit back you're like dude this is not far off from what we've been hearing out of the white house for four years it was just really really mind-blowing so to have that come up during this week where like obviously there was a lot going on uh and then to have Chappelle hosting on saturday was just a beautiful way to tie it all up it's great it was great so if you haven't watched that definitely cannot suggest it highly enough shout out dave Chappelle. shout out dave Chappelle, and strap in people because we're clearly not done and like ricky mentioned the next two months are going to be interesting i had a conversation with somebody where they reminded me of gerald ford and richard nixon and what nixon did you know what i'm talking about I have absolutely no idea. Nixon, Nixon resigned right before the end of his presidency where Gerald Ford took over and Gerald Ford pardoned him for everything at Watergate. So there are people speculating mm. that Trump will resign, Pence will take over and give him a presidential pardon on some of the stuff that he faces. Yeah. Me personally, I hope Trump's ego doesn't allow him to step down to, to concede the position prior to him being done. But yeah, we will see. Yeah, it'll be... Uh... Very interesting <laughs> couple of months. Based Which, off of like the presidency stuff happening, and then also like the fact that COVID is now worse than it was in March, it's it's very shocking. Uh I'm fully expecting like a full-on we're going back into quarantine. I kind of know for a fact. Uh there's some places in Worcester that are 100 percent closing in December. I don't know if, I don't think it's for good, but I know that they are closing in December based off of what's happening. So get ready, bitches. <laughs> you could have just wore a fucking mask, but no, no. All right. What do you got for Stokes and Pokes? Uh, all right, cool. What's up? <laughs> so <laughs> my poke is uh, I spent three full days packaging pretty much every single order that came to Worcester Rams last week after a huge holiday drop. Um, so shout out everybody for that. Thank you. And it was super fun. I love packaging things. It is like a very fun thing for me to do, but we have this tape that it's like branded tape and you cut it and then you go to get it wet and you put it on the box. It's like a whole thing. It takes forever, but it does look really cool. Um, when I worked at Starbucks, I had this chemical burn from the sanitizer fluid that we used for a couple of years you can't really tell, but like this section of my hand gets red and raw and super itchy and really gross. And it used to happen on like the backside, all this stuff, whatever this chemical is on this tape, when you wet it for three straight days, um, it had the exact same effect on me. Nowhere near as, as strong, but still it was, it's been a very like itchy weekend. Um, <laughs> you wear gloves. Do you think that would just mess you up? No, no, it, I wouldn't be able to use my hands at all and like you'd have to take the gloves off every single time it's a whole yeah it's easier just to do it this way yeah people when i worked at starbucks they said the same thing like can you wear gloves and i was like no like it's not it doesn't work that way like you you need feeling and like you need to be able to like i can't i can't work like that so you need those tips yeah need those tips um so yeah so i need my hands to do that i'm poking uh the fact that I was just like, you know, mildly inconvenienced all weekend. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then my stoke is shout out Treehouse. Fucking Treehouse has like the biggest brewery 
well, second large brewery in Massachusetts outside of Sam Adams. Um, and I think Harpoon actually, but Treehouse expanded. They announced a new waterfront um, tasting room down the Cape that'll open next summer, like COVID pending, right. which I thought was huge. Like what a huge move. You have this space, you know, right outside of Worcester. You're, you're pretty much in the absolute center of Massachusetts. Um, you're really close to Connecticut. Sorry. There's a bee crawling on my hand. Can you see that? Yeah. Ah! Flick it off. What are you doing? I don't That's know, how you're going to get I... stung. Just shake ah! it off. You are going to get stung live on. Ooh! It flew away. Oh, now it's on my screen. <laughs> Let wow. him steal. He could sting the screen all day long. That was nuts. Um... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where were you the day that Ricky met the bee? <laughs> All of a sudden, we're like National Geographic. I'm like, oh, it's a fucking bee on oh, my fucking hand right here. I don't know. But <laughs> so, it's the oi punk version of Steve. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yo, save the bees, though. Um, all right. Yeah. So Treehouse has this brewery. They're killing it. They open this t- tasting room down the Cape, which is super smart. I mean, that place is going to be jam packed. It looks beautiful from the photos they've posted. Then the next day, they announced they're opening a Western Mass location in Deerfield. And I was like, oh my God, which is going to be more focused on like hiking and, and that aspect of life. Um, it's just so smart. Like to have a brewery that for forever only had like six accounts in terms of bars and restaurants where you could get their, their beer with two of them being in Worcester, by the way. Um, to not really be a beer that you you can't go to a restaurant and get it really uh you have to go to a brewery so instead of like changing their entire like they're changing the entire game again instead of opening up for distribution they're opening two other locations in massachusetts where you can go get their beer that's that's unbelievable they now have the entire state fully covered vacation destination western mass lifestyle destination and then they're they're right in the middle of, of Massachusetts outside of Worcester, 40 minutes in Boston. It's unbelievable. They're creating so, um, a brand experience and they know their users and they know their audience. Yeah. And that's just brilliant. Yeah. And all those spaces have a lot of like actual space. So I know they've got like hiking trails and everything. Plus they have a farm in Connecticut. Like they've got a whole, I think they also still have the the brewery spot in Munson for when they do like mixed fermentation stuff and do experimental beers. And, like they're just, they're doing everything in a way that nobody else does it and they're still making more beer and more money. And it's just, it's, it's a really, really fascinating thing to watch happen. So I'm super stoked to see what they do and how all that plays out next year, pending people yeah. wearing masks. I love, I love that these small breweries are still doing well. I love that, you know, clearly COVID hasn't stopped them that they've still been selling and making money. Cause it's not that they didn't stop them. It just, they adapted. I mean, the, that's exactly picking, it. They became picking up beer. Yeah. Picking up beer there now is like a very different experience, but it's, it's really interesting to watch that they, the watch the way they did that. And the, they didn't let their employees go. They paid their employees, even when they couldn't be at work, they rechanged their entire business model to adapt to this. And they didn't do the, I don't know how to like phrase this without it coming out wrong, but they, they never reopened for like, they never reopened the tasting room. 
they just kept that one style they, of business. Exactly. It was safe for customers. It was safe for employees. It was, it was, it was awesome. Um, and they're still killing it and they don't have to reshut down and refigure the way they do anything. Cause they've just stuck to it because they had the foresight to see that. Like, like you said earlier, they just listened to the experts. Like everybody knew this was going to happen. So instead of changing your, your business model and, and kind of reallowing people to come in and spending all that money on glass par- or plexiglass partitions and, and all that stuff, they just never did. And it yeah. paid off huge. It was, it's very impressive. I wonder if they, I don't know, you'd have to, I'm speculating, but I wonder if, if by the books, they were able to move more beer because people didn't get out of their cars, create a line, Absolutely. Absolutely. buy smaller amounts. You stayed in your car. You knew earlier. You weren't even allowed to roll your window down. Right. Everything was, you showed your phone through your window. That's amazing. Like what a, what a simple thing that a lot of places are like, well, I don't know. Like that's not really how it's done. Like you got to print something out and hand it to them. Like, no, fuck that. It's on your phone. You just just show them your phone. How it was done doesn't mean it needs to be done that way. Exactly. They completely changed the game. It's, very impressive to watch. So I am very excited to see how all that plays out. And I can't wait for uh, most likely 2022 where I can go to the Cape and get a beer. Yeah. Stand in line. For beer. Hours. Right. I'm into it. I want to meet Rockwell out at the Western mass version. We're going to go hiking. Hell yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. But sick. I think you guys have done it. I think you killed another hour plus listening to us talk. And once again, for that, we are forever grateful. Um, find me us on the internet find me us find us on the internet at seltzertime.com you could find me personally at hunchback travis you guys can find me us at seltzertime official on instagram and, and twitter and uh facebook but like mostly twitter and instagram and dick chuck 77 and i'm in all the same spots so yeah keep partying party. with us we are inching closer to episode 100 and we are super pumped on that. We have some cool stuff planned for the holidays. And uh, yeah, we're just going to keep partying. I'm pretty sure that if we play our cards right, we could probably have probably not both of them on the 100th episode because I don't know if that would actually work out or like it would even be fair. But I'm pretty convinced like Obama and Ryan Reynolds could one of them could be on the table. We're talking to Ryan Reynolds people. And by Ryan Reynolds people, we mean the lawyer that they've filed. I'm going to I'm gonna tweet at him every day. <laughs> every day for the next three, four weeks and just be like, hey, man, hope all is well. Um, you want to come on our show? And we won't talk about anything except for his phone company, his Mint Mobile. That'd be yeah. so funny. What about, the, what about the, the other with the whiskey company? Oh, the gin? Dude, the that gin. gin's actually like fucking delicious. I bought it. It's really good. I'm not surprised. This is really good. I'm into it. Awesome. All right. Bye, guys. Hi, Ryan.